Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Learfield in the south end zone of Kyle Field, this is Studio 12. On the Texas A&M Sports Network, this is Studio 12. Good to have you with us, South End Zone of Kyle Field. Will Johnson, Matt Simon, Tyler Pig here. We've got a, it's one of those busy weekend in athletics as usual during the springtime, but pretty much all of it but one event is out of town. Uh, Track and Field will host their alumni muster on Saturday at EB Cushing Stadium, so later on we'll talk to Javen Reed of our women's track and field team on this show. But baseball's out of town, softball's out of town. You've got a bunch of teams that are about to hear their destination and their assignment in their NCAA tournaments, uh, women's golf, uh, today. And then you'll have men's golf, you'll have women's tennis, you have men's tennis, all going to find out soon enough within a week, I think, of of their destinations in the NCAA tournament. But... Another congratulations out to the women's tennis team uh, this past weekend in Gainesville. Buzzsaw. I mean, they are just crushing people. Yeah. They're 30-1? and one? Yeah. 30-1 30 30 and and overall. So they made it a clean sweep through the SEC's, guys. They went 13-0 and 0 to win the crown in the regular season. They just swept through the SEC tournament to win that championship over there in Gainesville. So that's 16-0 and 0 at the at right now yeah. for the women's tennis team in the SEC. So a shout-out to them to get us started. And... Just terrific stuff. And not They've like, got a ring now, Will. The question is what goes on the ring. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, well, Mark Weaver, I think, said it to the team after they won the SEC championship. They've got two trophies. They go for a third mm-hmm. once they find out uh, where they're in the field. Well, we know where they're going to play to start NCAA tournament. That's going to be here in College Station. It's just who they play and win. So, women's tennis, another title, and their season keeps on rolling. Well, here at this venue, Kyle Field, it's kind of spring ball is over. It's waiting for September 3rd, that Sam Houston State game, to get the 2022 football season kicked off. But there's always some football news, and there's some big things to track here today. Do you need your counter? I can give it to you. Yeah, what do you got till September 129 3rd? days. Oh, wow. You just did that in your head right there. And if, if we assume <laughs> that it's a night game, you're looking at about 8 hours, 50 minutes, 129 days. You're already hours. starting in the 6 o'clock SEC Network. You never know. I mean, weekend. Well, Thank wait you. a minute. Everybody gets a plus game now in the SEC. Yep. Starting twenty. Is that ours? I just like to give Will the countdown because he he starts to get antsy a little bit and not like he need he needs to know how much longer he's got to wait. But see that that's part of the now you want me to do, uh, get on kickoff time discussions. 
Yeah, no, sorry. Let's focus will on we, the other will football Will Sam Houston news. be our plus game where we get to announce the kickoff time, our own kickoff time? And, yeah, with it being September, I would usually put those at night, 6 mm-hmm. o'clock if it's September. But I don't know. Is that the Aggies plus game? Maybe UMass is a fine candidate for that plus game late <laughs> in November. I don't know. Uh, as far as those Aggies uh, that just hung them up in the maroon and white, they – uh, turn their t- attention, or they have turned their attention to the NFL draft since January, <laughs> but uh, now they get some uh, finality to that process as the draft starts tomorrow in Vegas, and we think the first Aggie to hear his name called will be Kenyon Green, and are we thinking, guys, that's a first-round call? So it's it's starting to trend that way, I feel, yeah, for me Kenyon. Too. Me too. I mean... I think, you know, once you get to maybe the 20s, right around maybe the Steelers pick at 20 is a good spot to start looking at. I can see the Packers, they need some, they obviously need some wide receivers in Green Bay to help Aaron Rodgers out, but they also need some guys to protect him. They've got, could have two picks in the second, or in the first round. So maybe 22 to the Packers. One projection I also saw maybe 25 or 26 to the, the Bills or the Titans. Um, that wouldn't be a bad spot for Kenyon as mm-hmm. well. But kind of as you scale towards the direct draft, there's there's where that's kind of the spots you could see him. Could also maybe see the Texans as well. You never know. They like to trade in late round selections and move up and maybe get him and keep him in Texas. So, but I think Kenyon's definitely turning in the right direction to be in a first round pick around that kind of 20 to 28, 30 range. And I um, think there's some really good teams that could use his skills because of his versatility. Play, yeah. I mean, we've seen him play all five spots. Played left tackle twice last year against two really good teams, including mm-hmm. Alabama. And, but even played center in the Orange Bowl in 2020. So, I mean, he's got a ton of versatility and probably slots into being a left guard like he played here from the majority of his career at A&M. But I think he's got a really good chance to fit into a really good team. That's the beauty, I think, Will, sometimes when you get, get picked in the 20s, you're going to a team that's pretty good that made right. the playoffs last right. year. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to go to a team, you know, when you're in that first, you know, five, six pick range in the first round, it's usually a rebuild or trying to find a quarterback, trying to find somebody to fit the, a new scheme that they're putting in, and I actually think Kenyon's going to get inserted into a really good you know, franchise here if he gets picked in that 20s to late thir- or early 30s range. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after Kenyon, uh, you're probably looking at an Isaiah Spiller, uh, DeMarvin Leal. Yeah, those will be the next two up on my board. Yeah. Yeah. Those are probably the two I'm most interested in. Now I'm rooting for all of them, no, no one more than the other. But uh, uh, Kenyon... I feel good about first round, and if it's not first round, it's right after that. I yep. mean, so I, I think Kenyon kind of has his place in this draft. Isaiah Spiller, it's always interesting what they're going to do with running backs. I mean, how high do you draft running backs? People think their shelf life is not all that long, but I think Isaiah translate and, translates into an NFL running back pretty Same. well. He's not afraid of contact. He takes the contact well. He can run it between the tackles. He will block. Yep, good pass so, catcher. Yeah, he has greatly improved with his hands. I, I don't know if uh Early in his A&M career, I would have called him a great pass catcher. Mm-hmm. By the time he's done here, I would. He's improved on it so much. And then Marv. Marv is so interesting to me. I, third round, I think, is what a lot of people yeah. say. And if it is, I'm calling that a steal for somebody. Yep, I agree. If you get Marv in the third round. I think the key for Marv is what. where does he land and what kind of front do they run? Is it a 3-4 yeah. base or is it a 4-3 mm-hmm. base? And how do you play him? Because a lot of people would kind of slot him into your traditional three technique and a four down and a four down set. So somebody like the Browns, maybe take him. They're always looking. That seems seem to be kind of a, a trait of Cleveland over the last two or three years. Obviously, they picked Miles Garrett first and many years ago, and so we've got some connections there. But I think Marv could be a really good fit for somebody in the third round, like for the Vikings, the, the Browns, 
the Chargers, who have a lot of picks, and including the Texans, too, who have a lot of picks in the third round. I see Spiller probably as, as this high ceiling as a second-round pick because of how the running back positions changed in the draft over the last seven, eight years. But don't, you know, I think the NFC South is where a lot of people have in Pennsylvania, either the Falcons, the Saints, the Buccaneers, and including the Texans, like I mentioned a minute ago. They always have kind of been the ones that have scoped around. ESPN's last latest mock draft actually had them in an interesting spot I hadn't seen going to the third round to the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. So it'll be an interesting fit. It, when you say all these projections, I'm like, yeah, who would they play with? You know, he'd go out there with Seacurk if it's Cardinals. Uh, well, then if it's I, Buccaneers, he goes with Mike Evans. That's an interesting <laughs> fit for him, off, you know, with what the Cardinals run offensively. Oh, yeah. They are more, obviously, an air raid spread. You got Cliff out there. Yeah, so. Roots with Cliff out there calling the plays. And um, I think it actually fits Isaiah pretty well with how they run their offense. They have James Conner running back, but it actually fits what maybe Isaiah does well, which is, like you said, Blocking out of the backfield, running between the tackles, catching the ball in space. He's a he's a threat to get to get able to stretch the field. You know um, when he gets the ball outside, so it's it's not a it's not a bad fit at all. And then I think when you get to the fourth, you probably look at that's Michael Clemens' territory. I, I think I would be shocked if Clint, Michael Clemens dropped any below the fourth round. I think the way he's built, what we saw over the last four games, starting with that Auburn game, it, the. the I think pro teams, when they can get him in their building, are going to absolutely love what he brings to their team. So I think that's where his physicality, his obviously how he is built physically, but how he plays the run and then what he did on tape the last four games against two really good opponents, especially what he did against LSU when he made our guy Max Johnson <laughs> yeah. life pretty miserable for for basically four quarters. And the and same thing what he did to Auburn. I think there, there's some really high upside for Michael Clemens in the fourth round, and a team's going to maybe get a steal there. Well, what you said about getting them into the building, I always say as our strength and conditioning people here do an incredible job, but here and in all college mm-hmm. programs, your time is limited. You don't have... Uh, the ability to really get them in there. We've seen guys go to the NFL when it's their job, it's their profession, and they can spend so much time in the weight room and all that, and we see them come back even after a year, and you're like, whoa. I remember Von Miller, who was a physical specimen when he left here. He came back that winter after a year with, uh, with Denver, and we're like, my goodness. I mean, he had gotten so much bigger, and so that's where I look at a guy like, Clemens and Marv, and and who are already big specimens, like they're they are, look like chiseled athletes. And when they get into an NFL strength and conditioning program, and their focus and their job is football, I can't imagine. Uh, that's where I agree with both of you about them being steals. Like I, I when I think of Marv and 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 Clemens specifically, is that's who we're talking about going. I don't want to say that far down. Third, fourth round is great, but. We have seen them play, and you look at them, and you're like, that guy looks like a football player. Like, that's a football player. That's That's an NFL guy. And we're getting more and more dudes in this program under Jimbo Fisher. And, uh, Will, we might have some later-round guys. They're still draft picks. We we may match a school record this year if if things fall the right way of the number of draft picks. Speaks to the depth that the Aggies have been developing here. Under coach, yeah, we had the record for the combine, correct, with nine. nine. So yeah, you could set the record. ESPN's up. mock draft have nine going. Now I'll tell you this: when you get past the fifth round, it be- kind of becomes a little bit of a crapshoot. It's, so. it's it's team need. It's it's kind of we're going to take a flyer on this guy. I will say this before we go to break: the one guy who is I would not have pegged in as a potential draft pick maybe in December 
who has really kind of found his way into a lot of seven-round mocks is Aaron Hansford. Mm. And we see what Aaron can do and the ability he has. He's a, a really good athlete. He was a, an offensive guy coming in here to A&M many years ago. And he's kind of been in that fifth, sixth-round frame. And he's a very smart player, could probably fit to somebody. Probably a special teams guy, too, for somebody in the NFL. But a lot of guys have added him into that seventh-round you know, seven, their seven-round mocks, but I think it's really interesting to see Aaron move up the way he has, and really speaks to what he did at Pro Day a couple of weeks ago here in College Station. Yeah, some guys, uh, the maturity they go through once once they hit this program at A and M, it's incredible. I mean, there's guys that arrived at A and M, you watch them their first year, and you kind of say, I don't know, uh, is he mature enough? Is he going to put in the time? Is he going to put in the effort? Mm-hmm. Is he going to do the right things? And I've been frank about it with a guy like Donovan Wilson. You know, right? His first year at A and M, I kind of said, I don't know. By the time Donovan Wilson left, it was obvious to me he was going to do well for a pro franchise yep. out there, and he's a Dallas Cowboy now. I say it about Aaron Hansford too. I mean, right away you're kind of, and he did have to change positions, yep, and change to the other side of the ball. But Aaron Hansford made the commitment, matured has done the right things, and by the time he leaves, you're kind of saying, look, he's going to do well And always seems franchise. to be in the right spot at the right time. Yeah. Made a couple of key plays against South Carolina. That big win had a fumble recovery. I mean, he blocked a punt this year and scored. I mean, he seems to be in the right place at the right time, and I think could have a really good career if he gets to the right team yeah. out of this draft. He is selected by someone in the seven rounds of the draft. I think Buddy Johnson helped him because yeah. Buddy Johnson now a stealer. Yep. That's what you used to always say about Buddy Johnson. You know, he always found himself in the right spot at the right time, and Aaron Hansford having to really learn that linebacker position because of changing from the offensive side of the ball. I think he watched, he studied Buddy Johnson. I mean, the guy that's a true linebacker in Buddy Johnson, and I think he learned under him, and now he's that guy. Mm -hmm. Right place, right time, all the time. He's always around the football. I mean, Buddy Johnson and Aaron Hansford, if you watch any play, if they didn't make the tackle, they were the next guy ready to do it if the guy didn't go down right there because, I mean, they're always in the right spot. But all the best to all of our Aggies in the NFL draft out in Vegas. It starts tomorrow with round one. Certainly hoping to hear Kenyon's Green, uh, Kenyon Green's name right away. we got plenty on this show for you today from Studio 12. We'll talk a little softball, track and field. They've got the alumni muster. Coming up this weekend, we'll discuss it with Javen Reed of the women's track and field team. It's all coming up on today's Studio 12, right here from the south end zone of Kyle Field, right here on The Zone. Aggies, you can now feel comfortable going from the break room to the back nine. For birdie to double bogey from the course to the clubhouse and every swing in between. Shop Mizzen and Maine for the best golf apparel. Visit their online store at mizzenandmain.com. Rolling along here, Studio 12 action. Got the fearsome threesome. Monaco's very busy. He's on his way to Nashville. How many fancy eateries do you think Monaco and Thomas hit while they're there? I can already make a list. Eateries, many. Fancy, none. Well, if they if, if they don't go to <laughs> Hattie fancy. B's. Yeah, what are we going at here? If they don't go to Hattie B's, then they shouldn't come back. If they don't go to Pancake Pantry, they shouldn't come back. Yeah. I don't know what the other must-eats are up there. Those are my t- first two. Get down to the Gulch and uh, see, what, uh, see what's up. Oh, there's the uh, there's a place down <laughs> what's there. What's that barbecue a, place in the Gulch? Yeah, we went Peg Lake Something, Porker. Yeah, Peg, Peg Lake, Lake Porker, Porker yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Been there. 
Mm-hmm. I'm a big pancake pantry guy. Sweet potato pancakes uh, from Pancake oh, Pantry. Man. Martin's is also a good barbecue joint, too. It's on 4th. If you're ever in, a- in Nashville, it's a really good spot. You know, more pulled pork there. Not much brisket. More pulled pork and ribs, but it's okay. Okay. Good so suggestion. Good suggestion. Yep. So he's just busy, too busy to come hang out with us. That's okay. What's the burger place we hit? The burger place. We hit it the day of the Music City Bowl. Oh, it was like out in a neighborhood, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I can't remember that name of it, but yeah, it was I good. I don't remember the name of it yeah. either. But yeah. Uh, so there in Nashville, baseball's got a series against Vanderbilt coming up. Matt is heading to Como. Columbia. Unless Tyler wants Sorry. to go. If you want to go. Well, here's the deal. Really, if you, you don't go. go to Como with Matt, you're going to have FOMO. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, he's trying to keep his marriage alive. It's <laughs> a very the... important birthday party at my house oh, this weekend. So okay. When your son has a birthday. Those are called mandatory. Yeah. 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 And then Mother's Day's a week later. You're, you know, unless I don't want to keep my attorney on retainer, we're going to keep uh keep You'll stick go. with the FOMO stick, and miss out on FOMO. We'll have it dialed up on the iPad outside while the big green egg's going. All right. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. But, well, Softball, they've got to take on Lamar tonight before they head out to Columbia, Missouri. And what they're coming off of the weekend against Alabama, my goodness. And, and we had talked about it so much, finish, finish, finish. And look what they do. I mean, they go out and get two against Alabama. And I don't know, it, it, just, it just brightens up your season. It brightens up your prospects. All of a sudden, it was a team that went into the Alabama series 3-12 and 12 in conference. All of a sudden, you feel pretty good about your team when you take two of three from a top five squad in Alabama like that. Yeah, and and I don't think and I talked to Joe about this yesterday. I don't think they they being the team did anything differently in the series. You know, if if you've had a close eye on this softball team, look, we get it. Joe Evans will be the first one to tell you the ultimate prob the ultimate thing is wins and losses. They get it, but they've really only been non-competitive in an SEC game. I can think of. One, maybe two, at the most. Like, at the most. Out of the 15 or now 18 that they've played. They've been in every single game. They've been in every single Friday game. And I think I'm very interested to see what's going to happen these last two weeks and then into the postseason based off that, uh, what you might call hump. Get over the hump. It happened against number two Alabama. And I'll tell you this, Will, too. It was not fluky. We were the better team on Friday night. We beat Alabama. It wasn't like they gave us a bunch of runs. Like, we were the better team. We were 4-1 abs- at one point. Yeah, and absolutely. Just ran back, ran right over them. And then we were 1,000% the better team on Saturday. Yeah, for sure. And then on Sunday, Alabama was Alabama. Montana Fouts, national pitcher of the year last year. Locked it down when uh, it was 2-2, two to two, going to the fifth. They got a couple of runs, one in the fifth, one in the sixth. She locked it down the rest of the way. Okay, but the Aggies competed and fought. They were right there in that one as well. Can you take that momentum into this week and carry it into a weekend? Now you're going to go to Missouri. We'll talk about Lamar in a sec, but you're going to go to Missouri, a team that's now in the top 25. They just went on the road and splattered Kentucky. Yeah. Swept them and blew them out two of the three games. Kentucky was ranked 12th in the nation. Uh, And then you have coming home – uh, number five, Arkansas, for the final series. Arkansas is going to win the SEC title on your field. They're go- it's just going to numbers are going to work out where they're going to clinch it very, very likely that weekend uh, because they have a big enough lead now on Alabama. Um, but again, fight, compete, claw, confident. I don't know that this team has lacked confidence. Honestly, I know that sounds strange to say. I, you know. 
there have been times where I think they have entirely you, – you saw it in a couple of road yep. trips. I've seen it in a couple of road trips. There have been times where you're like, man, if they're ever just going to pack it in, I, I don't like when teams do that, but I get it after watching what we just watched. No, they, they're – you know, again, Tennessee, you blow the Easter Sunday game, which was the, probably the worst one of the year, and the next day you come out and it's a two-to-one game going to the fifth. You're right there with Tennessee. So uh, I give them credit, and – I, I just I want to see them continue to fight and compete because they played. I think the difference, Tyler. What do you think? I, I think they were there was a looseness and a confidence out there at the end of that Friday Alabama game that that yeah. they they weren't they didn't seem to be tight and and not criticizing that it's just based off previous results you're like oh no here we go again, here we go again. they weren't like that they really weren't. And it was so nice to watch. I thought that the thing that came together from the Alabama game is they beat kind of Alabama, beat Alabama at their game in the first two games. And when I mean that uh, timely two-out hitting, that's something Alabama does a really good job of. In fact, I think I said on the broadcast, 45% of their RBIs in SEC play came with two outs. And then the Aggies also were able to score first in both games. What did Alabama do so far in this SEC slate? They have scored first. I think it was in like 15 of their 18 SEC games. They had been the team that had scored first and won a lot of those. So I thought that was, the, to me, one of the kind of defining moments is how the Aggies jumped out. And we can talk really about Saturday. That seven-run second inning was just a major knockout blow, and it really took the wind out of Alabama's sails. It looked like a different team from a you know personality standpoint, from an energy standpoint. I thought what A&M did, especially capped by that Morgan Smith three-run home run, just gave him a lot of juice. Sunday was just a really good softball game. Montana Fouts is Montana Fouts, the reigning pitcher of the year nationally. She was she willed them to a win in that game, bar none. The Aggies had some chances late, but when you have somebody like her in the circle, uh, she was able to just really turn into another gear and help them on. The Aggie pitching staff this weekend, an 0.58 ERA against an Alabama offense that ranked the top ten nationally and run scored in during the weekend of, on Friday night like a week ago. So mm-hmm. huge improvement from the pitching staff led by Mackenzie Herzog, Grace Uribe, and uh, Emily Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. and then this you know tonight mm-hmm. six o'clock Lamar. This is a we we've been calling it uh, this week an RPI nuke. Really, I mean that's what it is. <laughs> it's a I mean if you want to talk about a walking through a landmine field. Um, Lamar is 260 in the RPI. This will, I think, be the lowest RPI opponent that the Aggies will face this year. Their number will go down after they play it, but it won't go down as far as it would if you lo- if you lost this game. Uh, and Joe Evans made no bones about it in media availability yesterday. She was talking about this is the biggest game of the year for us right now. Is this? And so they're going to. I mean, they always treat every game like this. I'm not saying they don't, but they're going to treat this like a conference tournament elimination game they have to win it they have to put it put it behind them and get gear up for missouri um the aggies resume i'll tell you looks very good right now Mm -hmm. they are sitting right now as we sit today at 33 in the rpi there's no question in the tournament if the season ends today uh their uh, rpi opponents after lamar uh missouri's in the low 20s arkansas is in the top six uh, Houston, even on the road, is is like 80. So it would be a top 75 win if Houston yeah. wins this weekend. That would be a, a plus, yeah. too. So there are uh, – uh, they have avoided, to this point, knock on wood, any bad loss. There's no ding that a committee can take from that they can look at. Um, this game tonight, however, the Aggies have to put this one past them, get a victory, figure out a way to win it. Uh, and really, I, to be honest, no disrespect, if they just go out and play – they play their game, 
Don't overlook the opponent. They'll be fine. But it's still you're still nervous because you're sitting there on a little bit of a – I don't think the Aggies are on the bubble as we sit this minute, but a couple of slip-ups possible. Um, but if they if they finish a little strong and it's not unrealistic that they'll do that – they could talk their way into a two seed in the tournament. They really could. I mean, based off the SEC, that's how brutal this league is. The Aggies uh, very quickly will. The Aggies' strength of schedule is 10. Number 10 in the country is their their schedule strength for the year. So, And the other thing, too, Matt mentions about the tournament, the the league that this team plays in is bar none the best in the country. The beauty is that in the first regionals, you can't go to an SEC opponent. So does that mean Big 12? Does it mean going out west? Maybe a trip to Virginia Tech or Tallahassee for play Florida State, who are going to be top five seeds. There's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. This team gets in the right regional with the way they've hit the ball over the last 15 games. Could bode well for them if they get the right matchup going down the stretch. Yeah, and it feels like as far as getting the right regional for any team when out I, there, there's one wrong. When regional. I say right regional, yeah. the wrong answer is Oklahoma. Right. We know that for the three. It feels teams, like three teams are going there just to be fodder for the Sooners. Yeah, so just to go to get some good food. Go to Hideaway yeah. Pizza yeah. and maybe go to Charleston. Mix Charleston. Norman is lovely. Get yeah. a swirl yeah. and then go watch softball. Then probably pack it up in two. <laughs> right. yeah. But other than that, uh, Texas and obviously Oklahoma State. Uh, that's the two that you know where I could see a scenario where the Aggies could get sent there. Um, there's some teams in the SEC in this part of the country, like Missouri or Arkansas. The Arkansas is going to host, and so they're telling who they're going to get, but Missouri's a team. LSU's a team that's on the fringe mm-hmm. of hosting right now, so that's a team that could get sent there. They've been Jekyll and Hyde a lot this year. It's, yeah. it's been, it has been, we were talking with Patrick Murphy, the Alabama coach, on Friday. Um, the depth of the league, he says it's deeper than he's seen. Uh, you know, he was talking about as they came into the weekend, they were 19 and 5. Um, and he said, or 13 and 5, whatever it was. He said last year we were 19 and 5 and we finished third in the standings. This year we have five losses and we're fighting for a conference title. So it's a very strange scenario in this league. It's kind of not, to me, really, it's not surprising that the Aggies took two of three from them. And the fact that we have seen a lot of, uh, just because the Aggies sit where they do in the standings and where Alabama sit where they did, um, that hasn't really dictated automatic results in this league. It's been pretty fascinating. All right, A&M softball takes on Lamar tonight at Davis Diamond, and then they are off to Columbia for a series against Missouri this weekend. On Saturday here in town, Texas A&M track and field hosts the alumni muster at EB Cushing Stadium. So we caught up with Javen Reed of the women's track and field team earlier this morning, and we'll have it for you on the other side of the break right here on The Zone. With you, Studio 12 on this Wednesday, and coming up this weekend at EB Cushing Stadium, Texas A&M track and field hosts their alumni muster meet. This is on Saturday, one-day meet. Ought to be a terrific event out at the beautiful EB Cushing Stadium. So to discuss it, uh, we went and got Javen Reed from our women's track and field team, and before we even get a question to Javen, Matt, she's already the best interview we've ever had at Studio 12, because full disclosure, we had to tape in the morning. Javen's an athlete. She's busy in the afternoon. We got word that, Javen, you were eating breakfast in the uh, R.C. Slocum Nutrition Center before arriving here. We just sent a funny text to Tyler Pounds, our media relations director for track, like, hey, can she bring some bacon? We didn't expect any bacon. 
Look what we have on the table. I'm coming over the table. You're Javen, you brought yeah. breakfast. <laughs> Got to start the morning off right. <laughs> That's right. I am going to put that in the middle because I'm going to have some, but that guy over there. If you put it anywhere closer to me, I'm going to be eating it the whole time. He's show. asking why you didn't bring the whole tin of No, I'm I not. Bacon. They have plenty. <laughs> this, is the first, this is the first time I think we've had bacon at the show, which is crazy because it's like my favorite thing to eat, period. Yes. Yes. She's now our new favorite all-time Studio 12 interview right here. Javen, you win. You Glad win. I could provide that. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever answers the, you yeah. provide, don't worry about it. You provided bacon, <laughs> and you win the all-time greatest interview. <laughs> she wins on the track, and she wins here in Studio That's right. 12. That's how that works, right? That's right. So good to have you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And before we talk about the meet, I want to go back to uh, last week. Uh, we had the Building Champions Award. Yes. Uh, over at the Hall of Champions uh, just last week. You were the Distinguished Letterman Award winner, so congratulations to you already, even Thank before you. this meet gets underway. <laughs> How were the BCAs? An enjoyable night for everybody? They were so much fun. I always love going to the BCAs because it's just so fun to see everyone in a different element. Everyone's always in their track clothes or practice <laughs> clothes or anything like that, so it's just fun to not think about competing and just celebrate everyone's accomplishments and get all dressed up that's the thing i would think all the student athletes you all know each other so well even crossing over from track and field to other sports and the intermingling but i would think you see each other in an athletic setting or a classroom setting and it's always you know whatever a and m gear you're issued well, everybody got to get dressed up for a night. It was almost, I mean, I would think the red carpet or the maroon carpet portion of the evening is maybe the funnest for everybody. So much fun. They had the 360 photo booth, so we were loving that. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I, I know one of the most important awards was that uh, the Best Dressed Award. Yes. And uh, were you up for that? Did you, did you, I, were you in I, the finals on that one? So I won the Best Dressed the last time. Yeah. It was in person, and so this year they changed the rules, and they would only allow it to be one entry from each team, and so my teammate Kennedy Smith actually got the entry, so I wasn't allowed to go up, but they tried to enter me, but... Yeah, yeah. see, okay, we're gonna have, we'll have a little talk with Amanda. <laughs> well, what they were doing, that. they were going fairness, you know, you won it one year, yeah. they were going to try to show Had the to love to someone else the next year. She deserved it, though. She looked great. <laughs> All right, the BCAs were last week. Javen Reed with us uh, here from Women's Track and Field. She was a Distinguished Letterman Award winner, and now the Aggies have the alumni muster at E.B. Cushing Stadium on Saturday. So almost uh, for, so this is a meet that kind of leads you into the postseason. The SECs are coming up, NCAA regionals after that, NCAA championships. I mean, this is an important time of the year. I mean, do you feel like, there's a sense of urgency among the team, the men and the women, that, all right, this is the time to run well as we head into postseason. Of course. Definitely the season is starting to wrap up a little bit, just with it being our last home meet. And I think we're kind of, as a team, figuring out that we could do something really special if we all kind of get it together. So um, it's kind of a last chance meet for some people to – just get their last opportunity to get on the track, but it's also very exciting, the last time to run in front of um, the 12th man, so to speak, and it's my last home meet ever since I'll be done after this year, so it's very exciting. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're a competitor, so anytime you take the track, you're pumped up and ready to go, but you've, you've got to be licking your chops a little bit for the postseason, aren't you? With the SECs and the NCAAs, so much spotlight on those meets. That's where the titles are won. That's where the rings are won um, for you. Uh, are, do you have any specific goal this weekend as you start to 
turn your attention to the to the postseason? Have you already turned your attention to the postseason to gear up? Yeah, I just like to focus on one meet at a, at a time for me specifically, and each meet my goal is just to be better than the last one. So my only goal is to run faster than I did the <laughs> previous meet, and I feel like as long as I'm getting better each week, then that's a win for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're with the relays yes. heavily, 4x4. Uh, four four, yes. And I always find that dynamic of that race so interesting. Usually it closes a meet. And when you go to SECs or in NCAA regionals or championships, it's the, the points are on the line and it's the finishing push. Do you always get a sense of that when you're on a four by four? That team that, okay, this is our final push to either rise in the standings, to win a meet, maybe to win an SECs or something like that. I don't know. I don't want to add any to you if there's not already. A little bit of pressure with a 4x4 team sometimes. Yeah, it's always a lot of pressure, especially running for Texas A&M. We have historically had really great 4x4 relays, and we've won nationals the past two years. Um, So it's really fun, but it's a good pressure. I think you need a little bit of pressure when you walk into a race. And it's a nice balance of Obviously, track is an individual sport, but it's a fun opportunity to be able to compete with your teammates and do it for the girl that you're passing it off to or the girl that just ran her heart out. And um, everybody has to give their all, so it's a fun dynamic. I was about to ask you that, too, because have you enjoyed the college track experience because as you said it's an individual sport as people watch the olympics you know yes someone's wearing the united states colors or whatever country's colors but they're competing for themselves and maybe their family but in college you've got your whole team there especially when you get to the postseason and there's a point total and all that going Uh, how much fun has that been for you to sort of have the whole college track team experience I love being on a team. It's my favorite part of college sports. And just to train with everyone day in and day out. Like, I see these people die every single day on the track. And so and they see me die, and we push each other every single week, and we're, we get each other through every single day. Yeah. And so to get to SECs or get to nationals and see all of that hard work come together and pay, yeah. out, pay off, it's really beautiful because a lot of times spectators only see the wins and standing up on the podium and everything, but to be in the trenches, so to speak, with your team and um, celebrate with them and celebrate for them is it's really special. And I would say, you know, building off what Will said about being on the 4x4s and the relays, that's traditionally like the last race of the meet. Mm-hmm. So that's got to be a little extra juice too for you, right, when everyone else is done and, and you guys are stepping up to the line and you've got that whole group of people just yelling and screaming for you guys. Yes, it's definitely really fun, especially at the last home meet we had fireworks go off before. Yeah. So um, it's definitely the grand finale of the whole entire event. So it's fun to participate in, for sure. Yeah. I wanted to go back to something you said, because you, you watch these people die, basically, in a workout. I mean, track the regiment is, is pretty intense. I want to know what Matt Simon and I would look like after one <laughs> track workout, maybe with the 4 by 4 team. Oh, man. I don't know if y'all would make it through. You'd probably, you'd probably get through one rep really good. <laughs> But I don't know how you'd finish the you rest of the You probably gave us out. too much credit. One rep really <laughs> good. Saul hadn't signed up for dealing with tra- you know, fixing us up yeah. on the old training training board. We would just go straight into the cold tub. and Well, that, and actually, we'd have to have the stretcher pick us up off right. the, off the right. track. We would not walk off that track. Because <laughs> I was thinking, like, if me, you, uh, Tyler, and then Tyler Pounds. The two Tylers. If we <laughs> ran a four-by-one. How far behind them would we finish when they're running the 4x4? 
Right. Well, yeah, you got the four by four would beat us. In a, no as, question. If, even if we're so? running a four by. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Y'all yeah. would just have to do one lap. We'd have to do four. Well, she there's not a lot of stamina in the four guys that are running, <laughs> and not a lot of energy, not a lot of endurance in this group of guys. Y'all can so, definitely do a 100. We try to do sure. a four segment radio show here each Wednesday and Friday. We get through one, and then we're about to fall asleep. <laughs> So let's see. One of us, thankfully, you brought yeah. bacon, and we're taping in the morning. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we can enter y'all in the alumni muster. Oh, oh no! <laughs> Against people like uh, Jessica Beard, <laughs> Lyndon Victor's back, uh, Bryce Dedman is back. Because yeah, alumni will run in this meet. Yeah, maybe we could take a shot at them. <laughs> Real we quick. would line up for the four by one and be like, "Will, where's the baton?" He's like, "What? Where's what? What do I?" Know? I was like, "You forgot the yeah. baton. Go get." Yeah, that's what it would. Ha- it would not go well. Yeah, no, it, it, would, it would not go. It well. would look pretty bad. Yeah. But uh, for those that come to the meet, uh, I think it's important to stress uh, it's still somewhat new, E.B. Cushing Stadium, for the track and field program. I mean, for people who haven't seen it, wow, what a facility. What a great place to watch a track meet, isn't yes, it? Yes, it definitely is. I like to argue and say it's definitely the best stadium within college sports, uh, especially since it's in Texas. We typically have pretty decent weather besides the wind we've been getting lately but we also have a full warm-up track which is so huge a lot of teams like if you go to Oregon or you go to UT they don't have a full warm-up track so that's one reason I feel like our stadium is set apart and then I mean the stadium is beautiful the inside of the stadium is beautiful as well the lounge and the locker rooms were definitely very lucky mm-hmm. she would she would have been happy she was not well you guys are in Waco you might have had the same weather last weekend mm-hmm. we, we had softball this last weekend against Alabama we had the old 25 mile an hour I wind mean, out of the south which yeah. means when you turn that home stretch you're going straight into a wind yeah. and <laughs> didn't I hear uh, so, yeah, it has been so windy at just any athletic event we yeah. hold lately and for track and field in particular I think it, it can mess with the times and mm-hmm. I think when you get high winds it's hard for times to be official and, and, and to right. qualify for records and things like that. Yes. Isn't that the case? Yeah. So definitely if you run the 100, it's the wind is great for you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, sometimes I can't remember the exact mark of um, what the wind has to be underneath, but if it's too high, then it doesn't count towards mm-hmm. anything. Right. right. That right. would be our only chance to come close to finishing with them is if we had about a 30-mile-an-hour wind it's in our back. Gonna, I mean, no, you're going to need just – higher than that okay that's fair that's fair (laughs) uh but uh, yeah interesting meet this week in uh secs on the horizon and i I, speaking eb cushing stadium i went last year when the aggies hosted sec outdoors Mm -hmm. and just that meet when you get there my goodness the competition we, we hear it a lot with maybe like a swim meet or a track meet in the SECs, they're like mini Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, 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 is it just a – I know it's a great challenge to face the SEC once you get to outdoors, but it's also just kind of a great joy to compete in a meet like that, which you will here in a few weeks after this alumni muster. Yes, like they always say, the SEC just means more, and that is so <laughs> true because what you'll find is a lot of the top times at the SEC are also the top times in the nation as a whole. So specifically for the 400 and the 200, the top 10 times, probably six or seven of them, are coming from the SEC. So it's a mini nationals for sure. The competition is great, but it brings the best out of you, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, all the best this week. It's the final home meet 
It is the final prep for SECs. Yes. To you and the Aggies, good luck at the alumni muster on Saturday. Thank you so much. All right, and thanks for the bacon. Of course. we got to get to the break <laughs> so we can enjoy the bacon. No, we just eat on air. Well, I, I, um, yeah. I almost dug in on air, but... You know, you're not supposed to talk with your mouth full, so I mean, I, I, could, I couldn't do it. We have not set a high standard on this show, Will, so, well, it's true. so you know, it's just not But Javen just wrote Hey, it. she's welcome back anytime she yep. wants, bacon or otherwise, yep. she's welcome to come hang out. We'll schedule in the morning, pancakes next time, maybe? Maybe. Jeez, listen okay. to him. No, she, you. You, you do not have to bring us food, Javen. You can come whenever anything you, you want to come. Anything you want. No. <laughs> this guy doesn't even say thank you. He just asked for more the next no, time. No, no. <laughs> Javen, thanks for the time. All the best this weekend. Thank you so much. All right, Javen Reed and Texas A&M Track and Field host the Alumni Muster on Saturday at E.B. Cushing Stadium. And we are back with more in a bit, possibly with a mouthful, right here on Studio 12. Was there ever any doubt? Was eliminated during the break. That's all it took. Was there doubt? What was that break? Two, two, three minutes? Two minutes. And the bacon is gone. Didn't need two minutes to eat it either. And a huge thanks to Javen. Mm-hmm. But maybe, I was serious, maybe she'll bring pancakes next time with the bacon. Is that rude (laughs) rude of me to insinuate that she'll bring even more? (laughs) Everybody had a piece, right? Yeah. Everybody? Yeah. R.C. Slocum Nutrition Center does pretty good bacon. The breakfast, really good, as Is bacon one of those foods, though, you say you can't mess it up? Oh, you can. You, can you could burn it, I guess. You can totally mess bacon up. You could yeah. crisp it up too much, maybe? No, it's more the other way. Too juicy, too soft? Like when you try to wrap a filet in it, and you don't. You have yeah, to find that right amount of crisp, because right. you don't want it breaking apart, but you also don't want it to be raw. It's tough. Okay. It's challenging, but I'm up to the challenge. But ultimately, we thank Javen Reed for her time yes. and for the bacon. Yes. Mm-hmm. And on that track meet, it will be going on... M- all afternoon, but as far as w- the way Coach likes to, to kind of promote the meets, Will, uh, the meat of the race, which is all the running events, the meat of the meet, so to speak, which is all the running events, 6.30 is when that gets underway. 6-ish is a good time to get there. They'll have a little bit of ceremony and whatnot. Uh, 6.30 is when the running events get, get rolling, so that is at EB Cushing Stadium. You can get tickets at the gate. You can also get them online at 12thman.com slash track tickets. Fantastic venue if you hadn't been to E.B. Cushing Stadium. Go check it out. It's your final chance this year to get out there uh, as far as a home track meet. Everything else out of town. Uh, Matt, we mentioned uh, after Lamar tonight at home, I'm saying for the weekend here, we got the home event tonight with Lamar at Davis-Nyman, but softball over the weekend out of town, baseball over the weekend out of town, softball's in Missouri, baseball's at Vanderbilt. That series make notes starts tomorrow night in Nashville. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series for baseball. Another one for them. But uh, we're going to find out NCAA tournament selection for a lot of sports coming down the stretch here. Uh, Today it's women's golf. Soon enough it'll be men's golf, men's tennis, women's tennis, and again women's tennis 30-1 and on the year. They swept right through SECs, and I mean the regular season and the tournament. They did not lose an SEC match. They've got a new number one ranking on themselves. Now, Texas A&M Women's Tennis, the number one team in the nation. And I guess that means you could expect them to be the top overall seed in the NCAA tournament. We do know they'll be hosting early rounds at the Mitchell Center at this point. 
got two hosts matched here that uh, come up and not next weekend, but the weekend after. Uh, I'm really interested to see where women's golf goes. This is a team that didn't play great at SEC Championships. Coach Chadwell talked about it after they got back. Didn't play great and then got a chance to play two really good courses where I, th- I think they're going to land. They try to kind of keep these things somewhat regional as they can. They could go to Carson Creek and Stillwater, go to a new really renovated course at Vanderbilt, which will be kind of interesting to see what they, they filled in. The NCAA's expanded the women's regional footprint to six now to match the men's. So um be a really good opportunity to find out today on Golf Channel at 3 o'clock, I believe, when uh, – when the selections are done. So. All right. Matt, have fun in Como while mm. Tyler and I handle things back here Friday with our FOMO. Mm. <laughs> we'll do what we can. That's a, sorry, folks. We, sh- we should have cut his mic off before he got to that. <laughs> All right. We'll see you Friday right here on The Zone. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.